0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Journal of Isakos podcast. My name is Dr. Andreas Voss and together with Dr. Manos Berliakis, we're more than happy to have Dr. Leo Pautzenberger from Austria with us today, who is working at the Health Peak Medical Center in Vienna. In this episode, we will talk about his recently published systematic review in the Journal of Isakos about ulnar collateral ligament reconstruction of the elbow and the clinical output. Hi, Leo, and thank you for your time to join our podcast. Maybe you can tell us a few words about your clinical and scientific background. Hi,
1: thank you very much for having me. Um, My name is Leo Pautzenberger. I am based in Vienna, Austria, and I specialize in shoulder and elbow surgery. I did my PhD uh, on the biomechanics of shoulder, uh, and I treat a lot of elbow injuries, um, acute and chronic ones. And um, most recently, I've been named the uh, head physician of the Austrian Baseball and Softball Federation. And uh, that's part of why I w- I'm interested in elbow injuries, the UCL tears, and uh, it's also an uh, increasingly a big part of my practice. Thank you. What was your motivation for this systematic review? Yeah, so UCL tears are, are, are a very common injury, especially in baseball players um, and it, it is treated by a very famous surgery, the Tommy John surgery, which is widely known, especially in the United States. Um, interestingly, though, if you look at the li- the literature, there's actually not that much evidence for mid to long term outcomes. And also it is hard to uh, summarize or to, to find Um, to find the the scattered information on return to play, on uh, complication and so on. So we thought it would be good to to take a look and summarize um, and concisely um, collect the uh, evidence on on the topic.
0: Thank you. So you performed a systematic review according to the PRISMA guidelines. I think this is a very important aspect in performing systematic reviews. Can you just briefly describe the guidelines and key points in this procedure?
1: Yes, so um, if you're doing systematic reviews uh, I think it's very important to to make the studies comparable. There's a lot of systematic reviews out there and I think it's a good idea to uh, standardize them so everybody can compare what they find. Um, with the increasing body of, of literature. So one guideline or one idea to do this is the PRISMA statement. It's, um, it stands for the Preferred Reporting Items for Systematic Reviews and Meta-Analysis. And it is an evidence-based uh, set of uh, reporting standards that's in the whole um, or in the, in, the, in the big version consists of a 27-item checklist and a four-phase flow chart, which guides you through the review process. Um, and um, makes, makes up for, uh, for an easy, and compa- uh, well, easy comparability between systematic reviews on the same topic. Thank you, thank you. This is very, very important.
0: And interestingly, you found over 5000 studies in your identification process. From this, only eight studies have been included with all except for one being uh, level four studies. How do you explain your findings in the lack of
1: level one and level two studies? Mm, absolutely, I think this is not uh, not only a limitation of our review uh, and I think it's an issue in the whole of orthopedic surgery um, or probably in surgery at large mm, uh, compared to internal medicine where you have an intervention maybe with a, with a medication you can set up trials easier like in, uh, in orthopedics and in surgery usually you end up with trying a new pr- procedure but either you don't have uh, the, the amount of cases you need to do a comparative study, or you are very convinced that this is a better technique. Um, so it, I think in surgery, uh, in surgery, it is a problem that we are not doing high level studies. And the result is that there's an increasing number of uh, articles out that criticizes, for example, orthopedic surgery that a lot of uh, apparently the procedures that are done are, don't have sufficient evidence to support them. Now, that might be only an academic problem because we know from treating and managing our patients that they work. But at the end of the day, as seen here, as what you said, um, it ends up um, being only very low grade evidence available. And that's also reflected in our review. Perfect thank you. I totally agree to this comment. I think it's always important
0: to define a professional as you did in your um, review, since we know from Europe with comparable sports like soccer, we have many players who get paid even though sometimes just a little extra to the normal profession, do you think we should distinguish professional in I mean full-time job or part-time job, Um, I mean the drive for a full-time job professional player might be higher to return to play
1: compared to a part-time job professional player? Absolutely. That's a great question. And thank you very much for that question. I think this should be um, a focus in the future in reporting on on return to play Um, because, uh, as you said, there's two different uh, worlds. You have might have your student player who earns a little bit on the side, Um, but by a broader definition would be professional and then you have your uh, full-time professional athlete who, because of monetary uh, repercussions, tries to will try to get to back to play as soon as possible. I think another part is we're focusing on return to play because it kind of represents the highest um, or the highest grade of return to activity. But and at, the, at the wider level, or which actually might be more relevant, is there should in a lot of uh, in a lot of uh, procedures or interventions there should be a focus on return to work, or return to uh, daily activities, um, rather than return to play, which is a very which is only the tip of the iceberg, the highest grade of return to activity.
0: What about the revision rate of 10.4%? Can you tell us a little about the revisions? Was it due to
1: infection or was it
0: more technical
1: further? Um, yes, um, the, the return, uh, sorry, the revision rate of 10%, per- around 10%, it's more of um, uh, the issues is uh, re-injuries. Um, it's not not so much infection. I think uh, the problem is uh, the, uh, the problem in the with this surgery is that on the on the native joint or on the native ligaments there are uh, you're working with super physiological loads uh, and uh, there's there's going to be a rate of uh, uh, of failure included in that. Uh, and as same, you are talking about um, a lot of high-level players, major league players that are included in the uh, review, which um, which which is which is obviously the highest uh, highest strain you could, uh, can put on uh, on your um, on your surgical repair. So I think the, the revision rate of ten percent is quite representative and uh, might be even lower in lower demand athletes on the other hand it includes also some um, technical points like some ulnar neuropathies or um, or, or stuff like that which could be due to some um, uh, you know surgical issues or not issues but um, this this is uh, these are the things that happen during that surgery which could be avoided Great. So if you could please summarize
0: your most uh, important findings of this review and maybe also give us a take home message, respectively. Did the, the review change your clinical
1: practice? Yeah, thanks. Uh, great question. Um, so the most important finding is obviously that um, uh, collateral collateral ligament reconstruction offers excellent functional outcomes in the medium to long term. Um, especially in the uh, most interesting group, the baseball players, uh, you can achieve high return to play rates at a highest le- high level or even the highest of levels. Um, and also the, uh, the reconstructions provides um, career longevity for uh, professionals, which is obviously uh, a subgroup, but uh, most important highest demand subgroup. Um, and overall, in the mid to long term, uh, that's, those are very um, encouraging results. Um, the take-home message, or what did I take from, from this, it's, uh, for me, uh, one, uh, one question was what do I tell my patients? Um, I, I don't treat Major League players, obviously, in Austria but um, the, none, nonetheless, those, uh, those the baseball players are high-demand players. They are putting a lot of strain on the repair. And, and now, uh, with good conscience, I, I can tell them that, basically, uh, they can expect uh, excellent functional outcomes for longer careers and even have good function probably uh, for a long time after the repair or when they stop, you stop uh, playing. So, Uh, It's good to inform, uh, to be able to inform the patients about the long-term or mid-term
0: outcomes. Great. Thank you, Leo. And thank you once again for your time to join our podcast. And hopefully we'll have you back for another episode with your next publication. Thanks for having me. This was Associate Professor Dr. Andreas Voss from the University Hospital of Regensburg in Germany on behalf of the Journal of Isakos. We hope to have you back for our next episode. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the society
1: or the journal.